0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, beginning at verse 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. May God as His blessings to the reading of His Word. With God's help today, I want to speak to you on the hope of the rapture. Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks for Your mercy, for Your grace. We give thanks for Your Word today, for its inspiration, for its preservation, for the translation that we have it to read today in our own language that we might see for ourselves and hear for ourselves the living Word of God. We pray for the anointing to flow freely and clearly for the one who speaks today, help him for, you know, all of his limitations. To those who hear and receive by faith, let that anointing give them insight, revelation, comprehension, and understanding. Let the word take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all who agree say, Amen. I've been speaking to you from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians now uh, with a couple of interruptions. We had a couple of holidays in there, but have been talking to you about the return of Christ. And for the most part, we have been focusing on the judgment aspects of His return. How He's only going to let this world go so far. Now, we have witnessed, we have testimony from the Old Testament that When things get to a certain point, a a point, I call it the point of no return, when the world gets to a certain place where uh, to continue on any further would utterly destroy even, even the righteous, even the faithful would be destroyed, God has intervened in the past and He will intervene again. And this upcoming intervention will be the last of the interventions. It will be the return of Christ to put down all the rebellious authorities, all those who have lifted their banners, all the nations that have raged, all of the kings who have given their allegiance and their cooperation to the enemy will be put down by the might and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will crush Satan under his heel. Somebody say amen to that. I am so glad I know that despite how things look, despite the appearance of things, that Satan cannot, will not win. That when it gets to a certain point where there's no other choice, Jesus Christ Himself will come and take care of the business of putting down the evil one somebody give God thanks for that. hallelujah if you're not careful you can begin to think that evil will go unchecked in perpetuity that evil will only just increase and increase until it until it covers the whole world like the like the waters cover the sea but God has promised that he will step in to our history as a people one more time. And He will deliver the righteous. And He will punish the wicked. And He will set up a kingdom of righteousness, which will last forever and ever. That is my hope. I look at a world that is broken. I look at a world that is that is it just, just it, it's inconceivable to my mind how we will ever get out of the messes that we have made. And yet I have this hope that Christ will come and put all things right. But Paul also deals with in this book, not just the punishment of the wicked, but the deliverance of the righteous. And I want to speak to you on that topic today, specifically that deliverance which will take take the form of the rapture or the catching away of God's people. I don't have to tell you that there's a million books out there and a million websites out there, and and for four ninety nine or nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine, you can you can get a lot of information of a lot of people who claim to know a lot of things about this day called the rapture. I'm not selling anything today. There is no cost. There is no charge except whatever you whatever you want to put in the bucket in the back. That's up to you. You can put something. Put nothing. That's your choice. But I'm coming to you without, without charge today. And I'm not here to sell a book. I'm here to tell you what the book has to say on this topic. Because I'm not interested in the opinions of men. I want to know what God has said and what God has promised to do. I want to know everything that God wants me to know and I don't want to know anything that God has not revealed. I am not, infre- I'm not interested in the prophetic insights. I, I know I beat this horse quite a bit, and you're probably tired of me bringing up the subject. But I just I feel the pastoral compulsion to continuously warn you: yes. beware, be careful. Anyone who tells you they know something that's not in the Bible, hold your wallet tightly. Yes. Anyone who comes to you and claims some revelation beyond what Scripture has revealed, I would urge My advice to you is wipe the dust. And keep moving on. God, has, God, has, God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Don't misunderstand. He doesn't want us to walk around in ignorance. He has given us enough information so that we can be ready and we can be prepared. But he has not told us everything. And I have to give God uh, the credit. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt that the things that he has not told us are for our benefit as well. If we knew some things we weren't supposed to know, it would not be good for us, I believe. That's why God withholds certain things. So when Jesus says, no one knows the day, and no one knows the hour, not the angels of heaven, not the Son of Man, but the Father only, I believe that's for a purpose. I believe there's a reason for that, that God keeps His own counsel on when this day would be. Yet, He does reveal some things about this day. Enough to give us hope, enough to give us encouragement, enough to provoke our faith, enough to keep us in a state of readiness. So let me deal first of all with what is the rapture. It's not that difficult a concept, but some people struggle and stumble over it. The Bible uses three terms or three descriptions of what the rapture is. First, a gathering together. It is when God will assemble all of the righteous, all of the living saints of God. He will send His angels from one end of the heavens to the other through the four winds and gather all His elect together in one place. We think about that. Think about what we do every Sunday. We we in portions. Some small, some larger. But we in portions, what do we do? We gather together. Amen. Thank God for the technology that we have for the, 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 the videos and the audios. And people can be thousands of miles away and listen in. But I tell you what, there is no substitute for being together in the same place at the same time. Amen. Amen. What you feel in this house and what you are experiencing today in person... Is not dupli- cannot be duplicated by, by technology, or, or I, and I'm not, I'm not being negative about it. I know some people, this is all they can do. They're the best they can do, they either work or they have a physical uh, uh, limitation or something. For some reason, they can't gather together. But I promise you, there is coming a day when God will gather together all His people. All at once, we're all coming together from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. And it won't matter if we're behind uh, iron curtains and it won't matter if we're uh, we're under the thumb of of, of hostile authorities. It won't matter that we're meeting underground. It won't matter that there's a price on our heads. When God calls us together, east, west, north, and south uh, shall hear the sound of God's trumpet. And the righteous shall assemble. The word there is used, I'm not going to go Greek on you this morning. I know some preachers, they preach more Greek and Hebrew than they do in English. Yes. And that's all right. I, I like a learned man. I want a, I want a learned woman to be the one delivering the gospel. But there are some words you should be aware of what they mean. And this word, epi-synagogue, epi-synagogue it's a Greek word. And it's from the word you get the Jewish word synagogue. It's a, the gathering together of God's people. All of us, old and young, black and white, rich and poor. Amen. Jew and Gentile, slave and free. When he calls, we will come running. When he calls, we will be gathered together. It is a gathering together. It is a transformation. The word there is the Greek word that we get a word called metamorphosis from. How many of you remember that in school? You had to do that thing with the, the caterpillar and the butterfly. Everybody remember the caterpillar and the butterfly? You, you took the caterpillar uh, to home and you put him in your little uh, box or your little uh, aquarium or whatever it was, and, and what did he do? He went. They started spinning himself a little cocoon. And he crawled up inside that cocoon, and you didn't know what was going on in there. But after a little while, that cocoon would crack open And you'd go looking for a caterpillar, but what you would find would be a beautiful butterfly. Church, we shall not always be like this. We shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the trump of God. This mortality shall put on immortality. This corruption shall put on incorruption. Death shall be swallowed up in life. There shall be a change. A metamorphosis, a transformation. All that is weak, all that is dead, all that is sinful, all that is of this world shall be shed from us. That what remains will be eternal, holy and righteous. What a change. What a change. What a change. We'll be gathered together. We will be changed. And then the third thing the Scriptures tell us is we will be caught away. Gathered together, changed, and caught up with Christ. It's that word caught up that we get the word rapture from. To be caught up means to be translocated. It means that we'll be gathered together, we'll be transformed, and then we'll be taken somewhere else. We will leave this world We will leave this place, and we will be taken. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But if I go away, I will surely come again and receive you to myself. where, Where are we going, brother? Where are we going, sister? I don't know what to call it. I just know that Jesus will be there and it will be the place that... Oh, somebody praise God. The old timer sing, song used to sing a build-my-mansion next door to Jesus. I, I, I don't know if that's how it's actually going to work. You, you start digging down in it and it seems, it, it seems like Jesus is talking more about a giant hotel where we each get a room, but that's all right with me. If I... Uh, let, let the people of the world have all the mansions. Just put me where Jesus is. Just take me to the Lord's house. I would rather dwell in the house of the Lord. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Just put me where he is. Hallelujah. I don't much care if I get the penthouse or the outhouse, as long as he's there. Hallelujah. And I say that in jest. I don't believe there'll be an outhouse in heaven. I believe the sewer system of heaven will be first rate. But wherever he is, that's where we're going. When we see him, we shall be made like him, and we shall be taken to him. Somebody praise God. Gathered together, changed, and caught up. That is what I'm talking about today. That is the hope of the believer. Though we may be separated from loved ones now, one day we shall all be gathered together again. What was Paul writing about here? He was writing about those who were sorrowing over those who are past. And there are many of you in this congregation and myself included. I've got a mother. I've got grandmothers. I've got aunts and uncles and dear and precious friends. I've got mentors, men and women who shepherded me in the faith. I've got those who who have gone on and my heart break my heart breaks and my heart bleeds. I miss them with all my heart. But I know that one day we will be together again. And I know that the last time I saw them is not the way I'm going to see them. The last time I looked upon them for most of them was in the was in a coffin. They were weak. They were corrupt. They were broken. They were decayed. But when we gather together on that day, they shall be changed. Oh, somebody praise God. This is the hope of the church. This is what we pray for. This is what we serve for. This is what we long for. That we'll all be together again but not like this. Not like this. I, my family, we used to have a family reunion every year while, the, while, while my mom's brothers and sisters were alive. And I have beautiful memories of that family reunion as a child. I would go there and my, all my aunts and uncles would be there and we'd play games, we'd eat, Unbelievable amounts of food. I mean, just ridiculous amounts of food. And I'm not talking about KFC and, and, and Wendy's. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about grandmothers who would start cooking two weeks before, start laying up, you know. I mean, there was everything you could think of to eat. And they'd sit around and they'd talk and they'd chat and they'd laugh and tell stories. And somebody would get out a guitar and somebody would go sit down at the piano and they'd start singing the songs of glory. Most of my family reunions would turn into church by 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd be having church. Oh, It's, it's a great heritage. It's a great heritage. If you didn't have that heritage, I feel sorry for you. Because I was raised up in it. But I began to notice something over the years. I began to notice they got a little grayer. And more wrinkles. And they started moving a little slower. And inevitably one would show up with a cane and one with a walker and one with a wheelchair. And I saw what time was doing to them. But thanks be unto God when I see them again. The canes will be gone and the glasses will be gone and I don't know what color the hair will be but I know they will be changed. What a day. What a day. What a change. And then we'll be caught up. We'll be taken out of this world. No more of the nonsense that we have to deal with day in and day out. No more of the foolishness. No more of man's version of justice. No more of human wickedness and human sin. No more, no more inequities. No more decays. No, no more oppressions. We'll be taken out. Caught up to a better place. Hallelujah. So that's what the scripture says the rapture is. Who does the scripture describe as the ones who will be raptured? We must give careful attention to this. For it's not enough to know what the rapture is. We must have hope in ourselves that we will partake in it. So the scriptures give us A few indications. It tells us that the elect will be gathered together. Who are the elect? The elect, according to scripture, are those who are alive and in Christ when he comes. Those who are alive and in Christ. Please don't, please don't, please don't misunderstand. (coughs) This in Christ business. This rapture is a promise for the faithful. It's a promise for the prepared, for those who are working and watching and waiting for him. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, and Matthew chapter 25 warns repeatedly and repeatedly, it will be at such a time as you do not expect if you get caught up in the carousing and the drunkenness and the cares of this life, if you say in your heart, my Lord, delayeth His coming. <coughs> my Lord, delayeth His coming. Then you will not be ready for that day. For those who are watching, those who are waiting, Those who are prepared, those who have oil in their lamps. Come on, you know the story? There were ten virgins. Five wise, five foolish. They've been warned and told the bridegroom is going to come. Five kept their lamps filled. Five kept their wicks trimmed. Five were prepared and five were not. At midnight, a cry went up. Behold, the bridegroom comes. You don't know when you're going to hear that cry. We don't know when we're going to hear that shout. We don't know when we're going to hear that trumpet. The return of the Lord will not be preceded by anything that we can recognize as a sign. One of the number of issues I have with the modern prophecy teachers
1: yeah.
0: is they seem to be more focused and more, pay more attention to the Antichrist than they do to the real Christ. Oh, oh. They focus on the world. They focus on the worldly kingdoms and all of the things going on. But the Bible does not tell us to look. It doesn't say look for the rise. And when you see the Antichrist come, you'll know it's time. It says, look up. Your redemption is drawing close. You must be prepared. You must be ready. I fear more than anything else for the church on this. Because many have gotten caught up in the world and in all of its distractions. I worry about this generation who thinks that they have an infinite amount of time But at such an hour you think not. Behold, I come as a thief in the night. If the homeowner had known what hour the thief would come, he would have set the watch. But because we do not know the hour, because we do not know the day, many are choosing to live in ignorance, caring only for themselves and caring only for the things of this world but I'm telling you that Jesus is coming for a bride who has made herself wedding. I've had the great privilege not only being married myself, but in my position as a pastor of performing the rites and ceremonies for dozens and dozens and dozens of couples over the years. And I enjoy weddings. I do. I really do. It's, it's just it's the pageantry of it all, you know. And I got a call last night from one of the people, young people that was raised in this church, and he's getting married. And he says nobody else can do my wedding but you, pastor. So I got to go, got to go do his wedding on New Year's Eve, nonetheless. Hallelujah. So that's all right. I don't do anything on New Year's Eve. I might as well go to a wedding. But one thing I can tell you that's been true over the years. I have yet, in the, I don't know, two or three, four dozen weddings I performed, I have yet to see a bride forget to show up. Now, I've seen some of them show up pretty late. I've seen some that were weddings that were start to 12 that we didn't get the bride there until 6. It's happened. Amen. More than once, I picked up the phone and said, listen, I'm leaving in 20 minutes, whether you're here or not. But one thing I know for sure, that if you are a bride, the one thing on your calendar you will not forget is your wedding day. And I see so many believers, so-called believers, who have put all the thoughts of the bridegroom out of their mind. Church. Jesus is coming for His own. He is coming for those who want Him to come. Who need Him to come. Who are looking for Him to come. All their hope. What did Paul tell Titus? Look for your blessed hope. Your blessed hope isn't prosperity in this world. It's not power. It's not political influence. Your blessed hope is the Lord Jesus Christ coming from heaven. It ought to be the first thing we look for every morning when we wake up and the last thing we look for before we close our eyes and sleep. Every day should begin with a glimpse to the eastern sky. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. (coughs) Who will be raptured? Those who are alive in Christ. Those who are prepared for His coming. Why will this rapture take place? What is the point and purpose of this rapture? First and foremost, it is to deliver the saints from the coming wrath of God. For you have not been appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whether awake or asleep, you should be with Him. Jesus told the church of Philadelphia, I will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall try the whole world. Now let me make a distinction here, because you get into some arguments with some pre-trib and post-trib and mid-trib and a-trib and all of those, all of those schemes of, of, of prophetic interpretation, and I'm not here today to play that game. I know the church will endure tribulations throughout all of its history. We are all uh, going through, it. it's through tribulation and trial that we enter into the kingdom of God. Every generation of believers in this world will see some persecution. And there will be times where that persecution will be very intense. There will be times where that tribulation will trouble a few, and then there will be times where that tribulation will seem like it covers the whole world. But let us make a distinction between the tribulation which comes from the world against those who follow Christ and the wrath of Almighty God. The wrath of Almighty God is a different thing. God's wrath is against unrighteousness, against all those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. All those wicked who would... Jesus said, as the days of Noah, as the days of Lot. Think that through. What do these two days have in common? Have the righteous vexed with the conduct of the wicked. Have a time of wickedness that if it was allowed to continue on in Noah's day faith would have perished from the world and Lot's day that righteous generation would have been lost when we see a time of wickedness that is so great that it threatens the very existence of God's righteous people then we can expect the wrath of God that wrath of God It's not meant for the church. You and I are not appointed to that. So if we to to escape the day of wrath, there must be some event by which we escape. This is the rapture. It is God taking us out of His way. It is putting us in the ark of safety. It is the angel telling Lot, we cannot do what we came to do until you leave this city. Right now, the presence of the righteous in this world is probably the only thing that has prevented this world from being subject to the wrath of God to this point. There is still hope as long as the righteous are here. There are still souls to win and lives to change. But the day is coming, church, when a good God and a just God and a righteous God must justly and righteously punish evil. And to do that, the righteous must be delivered. Paul tells these first Thessalonians that Jesus will deliver us in chapter 1 from the wrath that is to come. From the wrath that is to come. I've talked to you a little bit about that wrath in previous weeks. I won't repeat that message. But understand that in order for God to righteously punish evil, we must be removed from the equation in some way, shape, or form. We must be taken out of the way, protected, delivered. We are exempt from that. Our passion, uh, let me say it this way, the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ has has bought for us an exemption from the wrath of God. Christ was our propitiation. Christ was the offering that turned away wrath. On our behalf, I'm so grateful today. You don't know how, how, what a relief it is to know that I have been delivered from the wrath of God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is a consuming fire. And to face Him in judgment and in wrath is a fate beyond imagination. The rapture delivers us from the wrath of God. It is a reward for faithful service, according to Matthew chapter 24. It is a reward for faithful service. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over these few things. It is a reward to us that we will not have to go through the pains of death for that generation that is alive when Christ returns will not die. The Bible gives us two examples of what it will be like. The first is found in Genesis chapter 5, and it's the story of Enoch. It's a strange story about which we know very little except this. Enoch walked with God, and as a reward for walking with God, he did not see death. God took him. We find another story in 2 Kings chapter 2, which is every bit as strange. Elijah and Elisha are walking up the mountainside. And Elisha says, give me that double portion. And Elijah says, it's not mine to give. But if you see me when I go, yes. hallelujah, I don't know what through in Elisha's mind when he saw that chariot coming down the mountain. I don't know uh, whatever religion Elisha has. He found it quick. Yes. The chariot of the Lord, the chariot of the Lord. It must have been a moment, I tell you what. I'd love to see a Spielberg or somebody try to capture that on the on the movie screen. You can't. The heavens opening up and the chariot coming down. It must have been a moment. And then whoosh, Elijah's gone. And all that's left is the mantle. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know that if we walk with God, there is a reward for our service. And the reward for that last generation will be they will not taste death. It's funny. I was arguing. Is a strong word. I was having this conversation with a with another brother who believes the church is in for the full ride. We're going through the whole thing, Antichrist and judgments and all of that and we we're just talking back and forth about it we weren't really you know we like each other we, we we get along okay but we just fuss a little bit you you've got a christian friend you do that with too right you like them all right they're good people but you just don't agree on everything and you fuss a little bit and he loves whatever we talk about the rest, he says, oh you're just an escapist you're just an escapist i said my lord told me to pray that i would be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming in this world I said, you better believe I'm an escapist. If my Lord tells me there's a door out, there's a door out. I'm going out. Amen. I said, before you a door that no man can shut, the Lord said. Oh, you better believe I want to escape. I got no taste for the days of trouble. I got no taste for the days of wrath. Even so, Lord, take me. You I told him, brother, you want to stay, that's your business. I want out. I believe there's a reward. Jesus told the church of Philadelphia, there's a reward for you because you have kept my word and I'm not compromising. Oh, better you better believe, you better keep the word of God. Amen. If you want this reward, you better be careful with the word of God. Because there are some who twist it and some who pervert it and some who corrupt it. And I don't know what God's planned for them. But I know for those who keep the word faithfully. He said, I have appointed you a day of escape. I've appointed you a way out. I will keep you from this hour of tribulation. Now, I don't care how he does it. I don't care if he picks me up and puts me on the bottom of the ocean in the submarine. I don't care if he puts me in a spaceship and flies me to Jupiter. As long as I'm out of the way, I don't believe he's going to do either one of those things. I believe he's going to catch me up into the presence of Christ. And I'm going to watch with Christ as all of these things happen. That's the way I see it in my mind. I think the Scriptures will support that point of view. But however he chooses to do it, as long as he rewards his faithful, he has kept his word. There's a reward for faithful service. Oh, don't ever be discouraged in the service you've rendered to God. There's a payoff for you, believer. Be faithful, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor for God is not in vain. There's a payoff, and part of that reward, and I know there are many other rewards, and we can talk about the rewards of heaven in another sermon, but one of those rewards is you will not have to taste death if you are alive and faithful when Christ comes. So that answers some of the questions concerning the rapture. But then there's that big one, the one that everyone attunes to. When will the rapture happen? Matthew 24, Mark 13. No one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels of heaven, not even the Son of Man, but only the Father. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has kept in His own power. So when it comes to when, our first answer is we don't know. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, next month, next year, it could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. It's a time that the Father will choose. But He has given us a handful of things to understand about it. And they won't help us narrow down a date. They won't help us narrow down a date. But they will help us understand what will cause the Father to make that choice. What are the criteria the Father is using? One of those we're told is the, and I gave it to you earlier, the measure of the days of Noah and the days of Lot. When wickedness is so great in the world that there is genuine risk of even the elect being deceived and Christ finding faith on the earth when he comes now I'm not one to say I I know God is at work in our world today he's doing great things he's saving souls he's delivering souls there's revivals everywhere there's a latter day outpouring the spirit of God is moving and yet despite it all our world grows ever more wicked by the day It's not that God's not saving. He is. It's not that God's not healing. He is. It's not that God's not delivering souls from sin. He is. It's not that He's not filling people with the Spirit. People are being filled with the Spirit all over the world. And yet the world continues on this path of rebellion against God. How far will He let it go? That's the Father's decision. I can't say and you can't say. He'll know the time. He'll know when it's when it's at that point of no return. He knows that if it goes one moment longer, his own church will be in jeopardy of being lost. We are told that it will be prior to the days of wrath. I already explained that part, but let me just remind you, God, when he decides that the world has gone as far as he's going to let it go, He will come in judgment to put down all of this wickedness and evil. It will be before then. I believe the Bible is very consistent about that. The church is not appointed to the wrath of God. Paul fixes it at the time of the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the dead in Christ are raised. Again, there's a difference of opinion about Whether the dead in Christ will include the Old Testament people or if it's just for those of the churches, I'm not here to answer that question today. That's a, that's a whole Bible, that's a two or three week, three month Bible study. Just to go through resurrection. But I'm just telling you that the Bible says we will not go without them and they will not go without us. Praise God, right? We will not go and leave them in the dirt and they will not leave and leave us here to suffer. Praise God. Hallelujah. When will Christ come? When the Father appoints that time. When it's time for the dead to be raised. When it's time for the world to be judged. When it's time to bring an end. The rapture is a precursor of the end of all things. Once we have been transformed, once we can no longer die, once we are no longer mortal, once we can no longer be corrupted, it is time for the kingdom of God to take possession of, The new heaven and the new earth to come into being. All of the promises of God that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus to be fulfilled. The rapture is not something that that will happen and then the world will continue on indefinitely. The rapture is an indicator. It is a sign to the world that the day of judgment and the day of transformation is at hand. And so I encourage you today, believers, I encourage you to put your hope in the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. To put your hope. I, for one, and somebody, again, I, this brother I was arguing with, about, the one who calls me an escapist. The one who says, I'm, I'm not willing to suffer. I'm willing to suffer whatever the Lord wants to send my way. If we've got to go through some hard times here as a church, to purify the church, to get it ready, I'm okay. I won't say I'm going to be happy about it. I won't say I'm going to jump up and down for joy. But if the path to heaven leads through trial and temptation and tribulation, then that's the path I'll take. I've made up my mind to follow Jesus. Whether He leads me into a still valley or not. Says he leads, In one part of the psalm, it says He leads you into the still valleys and the, the still waters and the green places. And then the next verse says, but then He takes you to the valley of the shadow of death. It's a little confusing sometimes. Sometimes you're going through a period of life and you wonder, well, oh, God just can't bless me any more than this. And then it feels like, just like that. The world turns on you and it's trouble after trouble and trial after trial and tribulation after tribulation. But God is faithful in both, is He not? He sees us through the good things and He sees us through the bad things. I'll take whatever tribulations come my way from following Christ. And if that day comes and it comes down to it, and I have and and the guns to my head, I will lay my life down rather than deny Him. If that's the choice I have to make, that's the choice I've made. Make up your mind now. Don't wait till then to decide. Decide now. Because if you wait till then, you might make the wrong choice. If it comes down to laying my life down, I will. But I am telling this church. I'm convinced in my heart from not just the years of prayer and Bible study, but just from my own personal relationship with God that He's a good and loving and kind God and that He is faithful to His promise. And if He said He'll come for me and take me where He is, that's exactly what He's going to do. So let me encourage you today to put your hope in the return of Christ put your hope in the rapture or if you go before then in the resurrection don't let anything in this world distract you or take your take the place of that hope that is the great danger so many of the so many uh, churches today and so many Christians today it feels like and maybe it's just the way things feel sometimes you can feel things a certain way but it's not the way things actually are But it just feels like so much of what we hear in the church today, it feels like all our hope is in this world. All our hope is in winning court battles or winning elections or gaining seats or gaining power. I I, I, I wish the church would wake up. These things have never served the church well. It's always been a distraction, it's always been a delusion. And there's coming a delusion. I preached about a couple of weeks ago. There's coming a delusion which is going to sweep the whole world up in it, including the church. So let me encourage you to put your hope in Christ. Watch. Work. Wait. Have your eyes on the sky. Your redemption draweth nigh. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus said, pray. That you be counted worthy to escape the wrath of God that is coming to this world. I believe that's a prayer we can pray today, and God will hear it. The intent of Christ is to present to Himself a bride without spot and without blemish. Paul told the Thessalonians, verses three, that it's His intent when Christ comes to establish our hearts blameless in holiness. I believe that's what it means to be counted worthy. I think you'll be counted worthy if your heart can be said to be blameless in holiness before the Lord. That's a very high standard. It's one that you can't achieve on your own. No amount of reform, no amount of self-discipline. That's something that has to come from God. God has to grant you that blameless in holiness through the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So as we pray to be counted worthy, Let us focus on what it means to be worthy. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we say today, even so, Maranatha, let our Lord come. Come for us, O God, for we are already weary of this world. Come for us, O God, for we do not want to see Even one more day of this wickedness triumphing. Of this corruption of our societies. This corruption of our species, God. We pray for the return of Jesus Christ to this world. We pray for the church and all that is within her to be counted worthy of that day. Count us worthy, O God, as we pray in expectation of that day, watching, working, waiting, keeping our hearts and minds pure and undefiled from this world. Help us, God, not to get caught up in the deceitfulness of riches, of the cares of this life, of the carousings, the drunkenness, of all the pleasures of sin that only last for a season. Help us to remain faithful, worthy of the return of Christ, worthy of His special favor and grace, and gathering us together and changing this vile body, fashioning it after the body of Christ Himself, and taking us to His place. Taking us to the place that He has prepared for us. Oh, Father, I long for that place at Christ's side. I long for that place that He has prepared for me. Oh, let me be counted worthy of it. Let me be counted worthy, O God. And these who have gone before us be counted worthy of obtaining the resurrection of the dead. You are in Christ Jesus. Oh God, give your church a renewed sense of urgency, of imminency, that we would continuously look up. Look up, look up. Look for our redemption from heaven and not at what this world offers. Father, our children. Our grandchildren. Oh Father, so many are blind, deaf, and dumb. So many are are ignorant. So many, oh God, are caught up in all of this world's ways and all of this world's things. Oh Father, we pray for mercy. We pray for grace. We pray for revival. We pray for renewal. Call your children home, Lord, before that great day comes. Call your children to your side. Oh, Father, we pray that they will come to know the way of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today for this promise, this hope that we have, that we are not appointed to the wrath of God. But that the day will come when You will call us out of this world, that You may deal with this world according to its sin. Oh, Father, we pray that when that day comes, we will be found worthy. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 745 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church Located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.